Welcome to the STL Soccer Report. Brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. Uh, I got Jeremy Allenball right after the game. We're inside Louisville Slugger, Slugger Stadium. Um, how do you feel about the game? One, our 0 0 draw? Yeah, look, it's the first game. You take your point, you get on the bus, and you go home. Um, yeah. Gutsy, uh, slow start in a lot of ways, but got better as it went. You know, second half, we did a few few more things, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, it was good to see us find a way to get a point and not give away not give away anything at the end. So it was definitely gutsy. What were, uh, what were some of the good things that happened in the second half that there were improvements, things that you liked? Uh, the ball movement was better. We settled down. We played our game a little bit. Yeah. You know, it's always you always try to start the game a little safe and, and such. But I thought the ball movement was good. We got our outside backs forward. Tavo got on the ball a lot, um, you know, and we started to, to find a few more pockets and, and some spaces. And, uh, you know, so that, w- that was probably the biggest thing from the second half. Some, a really cool thing that, you know, we played some MLS clubs. We played different clubs in the preseason. We played our game no matter what. Today looked the most defensive maybe I've seen yet. Is that Was that a plan coming in? No, I think you're on the road. It's always going to, you know, it's always hard. It's just it's a natural reaction. It wasn't a game plan. It wasn't anything on purpose, I think. We were just trying to be, you know, be smart and, you know, get through the first game. And, uh, you know, and credit to Louisville. They're on the ball. And they, they moved it. And on that field, you know, nobody knows it better than them. And it's hard to yeah. it's hard to play on it. And they put the ball in some dangerous spots. Indeed they did. A lot of corners for them. A lot of possession for them. Um, I did see some halftime um, stats from Louisville. The club put out um, that, you know, 1v1 one, one one battles and battles in the air. Uh, we, we won pretty handily. And, and maybe that's a sign for good in the future. Um, I thought AJ looked better than I've seen him yet this season yeah i thought um you know overall uh, you know we did battle and compete and you know we they got some big guys and as direct as they are and as much as they'll play a big diagonal ball you got to deal with those you know, with those moments and i thought we did pretty well so yeah well you know as always the staff will sit down go through the tape get a better analysis of it um you know when you're removed from it but look you know it's not not many teams come in here and get a point and we did and now yeah. we build from it now it's about momentum very good point. Yeah, I mean, the front office has been preaching that it's going to be a slow start for many reasons we've heard already. We'll skip past that, but say this is actually, in some ways, this is a win as far as early in the season and, the, and what we're dealing with so far. Yeah, you know, I think it's um, hopefully we just keep getting better and, and keep building, um, you know, little steps and, and, and go. But, uh, you know, it was, uh, it's you know, you got so many new guys and it's going to take time. And yeah. but you see the building blocks, you see there's a plan. And like I said, the second half, had the second half been like the first half, you yeah. would walk out of here feeling a little different. But, you know, we got some things to clean up still. But, you know, we're, we're going to be all right. But defensively, we pushed through, you know, the guys have got some uh, some stick to them. They're, they're mm-hmm. doing well. Um, I almost forgot to ask. So I'm going to ask before we go. Alvarez, number 21. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about him. I don't know anything about him. Yeah, Max is a guy that was out in Sacramento for a couple of years. California kid. He's been with us for a few weeks. He's okay. played in, played uh, against SIUE, played against SLU. Um, you know, he's uh, done well in training and he's can settle a ball down and come inside. And, you know, he's got some attacking qualities to him. Great. Thanks. Thanks for talking to me. No problem. All right. Welcome to the show, everyone. Uh, Thanks to Jeremy for uh, giving me that interview at the end of the game. I texted him to see if I could catch him afterward. And he said, yeah, meet me on the third baseline. So (laughs) it was interesting to hear that after a soccer game. Uh, yeah, we were, we were over in the Luligan section, um, probably some of the worst seats in the house, um, just, you know, a good 30 yards away from the sideline. 
um, just blank space in left field ahead of us between us and the teams playing. So um, it was a rough watch from that angle and um, or that distance rather the angle was fine. Uh, but man, we're just so spoiled in St. Louis to have a soccer specific park where you are just right up on the field. Um, yeah, made me realize how good we have it. And, uh, I do hope we talk about it a little bit later, but I do hope, uh, Louisville gets something better in the near future. Uh, but that leads me to what I wanted to tell you first and right out, which is what this show has lined up for you. Uh, so first off, I'm going to give you a little report on STL and soccer and uh, USL. And then I'm going to talk to Daniel Carell. He is of the Courier Journal in Louisville, which is like the Post-Dispatch. And um, he covers soccer for Louisville, obviously knows Louisville City uh, FC in and out. Uh, he walked up and introduced himself to ask a few questions right before the um, the game at the tailgate. where We were just sitting around drinking beers, talking and uh, boy, he walked up on the right guy, uh, especially for me, because we just sat and talked soccer. Um, he knows a lot about soccer, and um, it was really nice to kind of sit and talk to him about that because we were just kind of two peas in a pod. And uh, yeah, I think as you can tell in the interview, probably we could probably talk about anything soccer related for days and days and days, probably, and still have more to talk about. Um, and unfortunately, we didn't get to talk very long either time we have talked. So uh, anyway, enjoy that interview um, talking about Louisville FC, uh, a little bit of a recap on what we saw and, and thoughts for the future here. Uh, and then shortly after that, I will talk a little bit about the game myself, probably try not try to keep that short and concise. And then at the end, you can listen. You hear Ryan Shannon. He uh, is one of the guys that does the podcast. Ours is the Fury, which is about Ottawa Fury, of course. And so he gives us a little history about uh, the Fury. He tells us about the team, uh, the team that we might, um, what the team is like, rather, that we're going to see on Saturday in the home opener at the soccer park. And then uh, he also talks a little bit, gives us a little bonus, um, I was going to say bonus footage, a little bonus um, audio about the Canadian Premier League. So that'll be nice to hear about. It was cool. He was uh, very open to talk about that, even though they're not necessarily a part of it now and may not even be in the future, but that comes later. So stick around for that one. Honestly, it's all good interviews. I got good people lined up today and um, I'm excited to share it with you. Uh, but first, let's start with the report. St. Louis native Tim Ream, who was a bit of a surprise pick for the U.S. men's national team roster in the hexagonal round of World Cup qualifying. He played in the final minutes of the game against Honduras as he was in for the sick and dehydrated John Brooks, as well as played 90, the full 90 minutes against Panama at center back, left center back. Uh, Tim was responsible for 15 clearances in this game, including one clear goal saver, I would say, toward the end, um, depending on how good Howard would have been in that situation had he not done it. Um, but he is unfortunately being remembered mostly for averting his eyes from a long throw in that resulted in a goal. The only goal for Honduras, uh, leaving the team with a one, one, uh, draw, uh, giving us only one point, but taking four points in two games, uh, which is four points better than what they had before, uh, which was zero. So, um, yeah, let's, let's take a cue from Monty Python here and all share the bright side of Tim's game. Uh, St. Louis, I think we can do that for him, right? Uh, but speaking of Tim Ream, he was one of the many stars talking about the St. Louis rally for MLS on Monday night. 
featured that night at Ballpark Village were recently retired St. Louis MLSer uh, Brad Davis, lead investor for uh, MLS to STL and SCSTL, Paul Edgerly. Uh, we all know Jim Cavanaugh, and I think we probably all know Taylor Twellman, uh, among others who spoke in support of the campaign for Propositions 1 and 2. There were about 500 people in attendance. Uh, unfortunately, not too many city residents were there, a few at least, um, to see the event. But uh, from my view, it, it made a huge splash in social media. Um, and therefore, probably since it was in social media, making such a splash uh, is also big in the soccer community because they're uh, very well intertwined, as you all probably know. Um, Don Garvers all but said yes when asked if St. Louis would indeed get the franchise if the vote passed. I'll not say more on this matter, uh, but I will say that I'll be interviewing Alderman Scott Ogilvie tomorrow afternoon around three uh, to talk about his pivotal role in the shaping of the proposition uh, that was put out. Um, this is the proposition that we will be voting on, uh, which is proposition one and two. And, uh, as well, I'll be talking to him about his tweet the other day, which said, quote, considering what to do with this MLS vote, what are the odds they would name the team, the Ogilvies, Goglevies, Goglevies, as in G O A L G, uh, L V is, uh, which is his name. Uh, so, um, yeah, I'm excited to talk to Scott and I hope you guys are all, uh, tune in, uh, tomorrow night. Uh, as soon as I'm done recording it, I'm just going to post it up for everyone to hear. I'm not going to make it anything special, but, um, yeah, I'm interested to not only hear how he was uh, instrumental in shaping that proposition and how it came about, uh, but also to kind of hear his feelings on, uh, the proposition itself. It sounds like he's undecided. And so I want to hear that inner battle that he has going on in his mind, uh, maybe compare it to mine and, and, um, maybe it can help everyone else out there who hasn't quite decided though. If you're listening to this podcast, there's a good chance you're going to be voting yes on Tuesday. And don't forget either way, if you live in the city, make a vote, um, place your vote rather. Um, it's going to be Tuesday, April 4th. So don't forget that. And uh, someone tell Taylor Twelman it's Tuesday, April 4th as well. Just kidding. All right. Lastly, today, the USL announced a, it's a big announcement that it intends to launch a new iteration of its league in the now vacated Division Three of U.S. soccer in 2019. Uh, I assume this will collect the best of Division Four and maybe the least financially invested of Division Two. Uh, a lot of reserve teams, perhaps teams that don't want to have to live up to like the stadium requirements and spending requirements of uh, being a part of Division Two. Say they just have a reserve team that maybe they don't care that much about. Uh, they don't even really use in their MLS side, uh, though they're required to have some kind of affiliation. Maybe they want to spend a little bit less money and send their guys down to Division Three. Um so that's a possibility. There are also teams that are kind of fringy, think teams like maybe Wilmington Hammer, Hammerheads, who um, were in the USL and, and dropped down this year to, uh, I want to say PDL, and um, you know teams like Chattanooga or Kitsap Pumas, really successful PDL and MPSL teams might be pushing on up uh, since a lot of them any, uh, pay their players anyway. Um, and then maybe a team like, I don't know, can I... Uh, shit talk and say something like Harrisburg, a uh, team that can have maybe a bad pitch and 
a team, a borderline bad team. Um, well, yeah, I shouldn't say much more than that, but we'll see who goes up and who goes down. And uh, I think pro rel arguers are going to have a field day with this one. Um, you won't hear that here from me, but it will be interesting to hear that discussion. That's it for news, but now stay tuned for my interview with Daniel Carell. He writes for the Courier Journal in Louisville, Kentucky. He uh, writes all about soccer and knows the Louisville City FC team backwards and forwards, as well as a lot of other soccer facts that um, I didn't even know certain things about Preki that he knew. So uh, the guy has a lot of knowledge. I'm excited to hear what he has to say on his team and maybe even mine. All right, I'm joined on the phone with Daniel Carell. He, oh gosh, you write for the Courier Journal, right, in Louisville? That's it, yeah. It's, it's the equivalent of the Post-Dispatch. Wonderful. Well, that's a really good thing. Um, thank you for joining me today. Now, you write f- about uh, Louisville uh, for the Courier Journal, right? Correct. And um, it seems like you cover high school sports. Where did you start out? You said you were from upstate New York originally. Yeah, I guess upstate, considering you were in Brooklyn, right? So, <laughs> oh yeah, um, but yeah, still, still downstate. If you look at the on the on the map, I grew up in the New York City suburbs, uh, just north of New York City, and I, I, I kind of wanted to be a professional athlete my whole life. And by the time I got to my senior year of high school, and it was starting to dawn on me that that was no, not going to happen. Um, my mom, uh, you know, said, well, why don't you give writing a try? And I I was, she's a lawyer. So, you know, we always worked a lot on my writing skills and English class and things like that through, you know, middle and high school. And I did really well on the writing portion of the SAT. And I was really bad at math at the time. And I was, you know, to the point where it was like, uh, you know, my mom and and parents, both, both of them were like, oh, you should do, you know, sports administration or something. But, you know, I knew you needed like a business degree to get that. And I I wasn't going to be very good. But anyway, so I got my start in writing, uh, you know, more more newsy articles, like a senior year, there was like a twice or three times published during the semester, a little news, two or three page newspaper that I wrote a couple stories for bleacher report started, I got involved with that, but, you know, quickly got tired of it, I guess. And, uh, I I wrote a little bit for the student newspaper as well. So I kind of just got my hands wet, but my, my real introduction to full-time journalism was, uh, while I was abroad, actually, I got in touch with a contact that I had met while interning for a a sports website one summer. And, uh, he ran, still runs a website that covers, uh, pro soccer in, in the New York area. And and he, he was trying to make it more nationally based, and he had a, a couple openings, a couple of his guys, you know, moved on to, to bigger and better. One of them is covering covers the galaxy right now. Uh, and, and MLS, the other one works for sports illustrated. So he was looking for some new fresh blood and he remembered me and uh, reached out. And that, that was how I got my start covering, uh, covering the Red Bulls in New York, covering the New York cosmos. Once, once I came back to the States, um, and that turned into a job, a, a, a news job, mostly near Cincinnati. And then, uh, after almost two years there, I moved down to Louisville and, and been uh, here ever since, uh, what, uh, February 2016. Man, that's actually a really cool journey, and I wish I could ask you about all those things. Um, and we could talk <laughs> further. So, um, you know, we're going to have to meet up next time I'm in Louisville because, first of all, I had a really good time. 
I forget what store it was or what restaurant it was, but there was free barbecue there with free beer. Uh, the Lulican bus didn't, one of them didn't make it and the other two had to go straight to the stadium. So we got all the food that was meant a little bit for them, I think, but you know, so <laughs> many people came and said hi and you were one of them. And it was just such great luck that you said hi because we do what we do and now we can talk. So, uh, yeah, I really want to hear your story in the future, but, but maybe let's, let's talk about the game. Um, it was, a uh, probably disappointing for both of us a little bit, but I would say mine was just disappointing because I didn't like the way we played yours. You guys deserved a win on that game, didn't you? Yeah. Well, I, I wouldn't say my guy since I'm, I'm not on the team and, uh, I'm, I'm <laughs> supposed to be impartial, but I, I know what you mean. Oh um, yeah. And there's yeah, no I mean, journalistic the- integrity on this side. I'm just a super <laughs> fan. <laughs> that, that's, that's all good, man. That, that's how, that's how it works for you. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I think the team was definitely a bit disappointed, but I think for the most part, uh, we talked to a couple of the players, the, the media after the game, and um, Paolo Del Piccolo was one. He's a little bit of a veteran at this point now. He's been a pro since, I want to say, 2012 or 2011. So he, he's been around the block a little bit. And he, you know, he was saying, you know, we have to be better. And, uh, you know, we, we, we definitely, I mean, they had so many, he, he made mention to the fact that they had so many corner kicks. I think it was 16, and they had a ton of other just crosses from the left and from the right. And, you know, uh, Pleva and Cochran did a really good job just constantly heading those out or, or eventually the team, you know, clearing them away. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they, they were definitely disappointed that they didn't make more of, the, of those chances. And it was kind of just floated balls into the box. Uh, or, you know, there were a couple of chances that the attacker just couldn't get his leg to or head to. But um, at the same time, I think that the players at least understood that uh, you know, it's the first game of the season and there's, there's only so much you can, uh, I guess, expect for and get, getting a, you know, a clean sheet was almost more important. And I think also that the, the coach, James O'Connor, the, he was very happy about that because earlier in the preseason, they had a similar game where they just completely dominated the other team in terms of possession and in terms of chances. And they lost, uh, I think it was two to one or one, nothing, something like that to, to Lipscomb down in Nashville, wow. uh, a, a college team, obviously preseason preseason, you know, guys weren't fully fit and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, he, ma- he noted that and said, you know, I'm glad it wasn't a repeat of that. And even though, you know, he, he was very blunt, the, the coach saying, uh, O'Connor saying, you know, we really deserve to win that game based on the amount of chances we had. He was also glad that the, especially with a makeshift back line because their two starting center backs were suspended. No he was pretty glad that they still got that clean sheet. Yeah, that uh, that article that you wrote was uh, was really good, and, and it did seem like he was pretty upset after the game was over, or at least very disappointed, um, if, if not a little angry. But, but yeah, I forgot, you know, right after the game, you, you mentioned that their top two center backs were out uh, from suspension of the conference final. And uh, yeah, so, so tell me about that situation. Yeah, so I mean that was a pretty wild game. I, I don't know how many folks in St. Louis, you know, remember or kept watched, you know, past. Uh, I think the, we were the, all pretty bitter at that point. I, I, that's what I figured. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, I mean, the game it was pretty back and forth. Both teams, New York and uh, Louisville, had their chances. Went into extra time. There were, I think, three sending offs. I think the first was Reynolds. It was a straight red. Then, ironically, a guy who's now on Louisville City, um, Devin Williams, got sent off. And then Paco Craig got a second yellow as well. Um, and, and Williams was a second yellow. So b- both of them had to serve one game suspensions in their next game. For Craig, that was this first game of the season. 
for Williams, it was the USL Cup final. Got it. Um, so he was av- available for this game as well. But Reynolds is still going to be out for another two more games, including um, we're recording this on Wednesday. Uh, let's say March 29th. Louisville plays on, on Thursday, March 30th at oh, Orlando. Yeah. And so he's going to be out for that one and then also out for the next game as well. I think it's on the 15th. So uh, it, it was a bit of a makeshift back line. It's a brand new uh, signing and Sean Tosh who came in from Rochester uh, and then Tarek Morad, who's, who's played a lot of games. So for him, this was, you know, normal. But an, another interesting addition was um, this guy, Oscar Jimenez, who didn't even play. He played in PDL last year. Hmm. He dropped down from USL. He played USL in 2015. Dropped down to PDL last year. He was coaching at his alma mater as an assistant coach this past fall and somehow, uh, I guess, got an invite to one of those invitational trials that the team had over, over the winter and impressed enough to earn a contract. But it, he's been a midfielder his whole career, and the coach essentially said, uh, I think you're going to be good as a left. Uh, I don't even know. I don't even think he's a lefty, but he was like, you're going to be playing left back. <laughs> Wow. And the the coach talked about it after the game. Let, let me see if I can bring it up. He he said, uh, quote, I, I thought Oscar did really, really well. Uh, he's another one where it's come out of left field, if you like. He's never really played fullback before. But then he, uh, you know, said he, he kind of related it to Kyle Smith, who was a similar situation. He was a Division three signing came from an open tryout, essentially like a rags to riches story where, you know, he, he already had a job lined up in the financial uh, world after graduation and his friend said, Oh, you know, you should sign up for this trial and, and see if anything comes of it. And he ended up being the mid season rookie of the year in USL last year and was one of the most consistent players for the team, uh, you know, that made it to the conference finals. So it's kind of crazy. And, uh, uh, obviously, uh, James O'Connor is kind of looking for that from Oscar Jimenez as well. I love those stories. I love hearing about the PDL guys and, and guys who had, you know, no intentions of trying to go for pro soccer and just gave it a chance and, and, and succeed and thrive. I love it. We have one of those guys too at, at right back interestingly, but, um, I'm going to talk about that another episode. Um, uh, but you know, more on this game, um, you know, we're talking about good defense on both sides, you know, to get clean sheets for both teams. Uh, you guys weren't quite as busy as, as our defense, your, uh, Louisville's team wasn't quite as busy as our defense, but, um, you know, looking at the mid, mid, mid halfway stats, the possession was 59% to 41% in favor of Louisville. It was just, I mean, just terrible when it comes to possession. Shots on goal were pretty different. I think, uh, you know, what, eight shots to two. Um, so at, at halftime, it was pretty, it was looking pretty bad for St. Louis. Um, but then again, I think our, you know, one on one battles were a little bit more on our side and the in-air um, battles were on our side there. So, you know, it was interesting to see those halftime stats. It's really nice to have those halftime stats this year. Is that something you you were happy to look at? Yeah, it's it kind of took me back to my uh, MLS days, actually, because mm-hmm. um, or days covering MLS, because I, I, I had grown accustomed to, you know, the Opta stats and having all this stuff live and up to the second, you know, heat maps and getting uh, the chalkboard feature. If you haven't checked that out and seeing where players first touches are chalkboards great. I mean, it has the precise location of like passes of shots of tackles, one tackles lost, you know, crosses successful crosses lost. So, I mean, it does, you can basically do look at almost any like aspect of the game. 
and and look at for the whole team or for an ind- individual player. You could do first half, second half, combined. Um, so I, I, it, it was definitely nice to have those stats. And I mean, uh, I, I kind of wish I was looking at them more during the game because I might have you know asked a few different questions. I'm I'm curious actually to, not to flip this inter- interview or conversation on its head, but wh- what do you think changed in the second half because the possession number kind of switched a little bit and Louisville wasn't able to necessarily uh, generate as many chances in the second half as they were in the first. Yeah, you know what it was is is I watched this team all the way through preseason and I watched them play difficult teams like two like DC United, Orlando City, uh, Ottawa Fury looked really good in preseason against us and never once did we leave our style of play. And that first half was not our team. It didn't look like our team. It looked somewhat like our team last year. You know, other than us kind of pressing high up the field in defense, we were kicking the ball in the air like crazy. That's one thing I wanted to mention to you, too, is, is that it was really windy that day. And so as it was. As, yes. Yeah, I thought that was going to play in our favor because uh, Precky likes the ball on the ground. And in our and in practice and training, we even hear him screaming at guys if they put the ball in the air too much. You know, we train on different things that all you know, key in on leaving the ball on the ground for these passes. It's we're going to see some pretty soccer this year, but that first half was not like that. And I think literally that second half, the second we looked a little bit better was um, partially when we brought a guy, uh, Matt's Bierman in uh, to play Mm -hmm. kind of the number 10 role in a way. And um, is when we kept it on the ground at that point too. And it just, it flipped possession. We looked more dangerous, Um, still not good enough by any means, but you know, that wind, I thought we were going to, we had a chance to win only because of the wind and uh, it just didn't happen that way. Um, how do you think, did that have a, a play as far as the wind and in, in the way that Louisville played or how'd you guys look? How did Louisville look in comparison to usual for you? I think it was a pretty standard performance, you know, in terms of how attacking they are in terms of overlapping outside backs, um, you know, getting, generating a lot of crosses into mm-hmm. the box, uh, a, a little bit of a different slightly bit of a different look with, um, I don't know. Uh, he's a guy to watch, um, Richard Ballard. He's a rookie signed at Indiana university He's from Louisville too. So he's probably, pro- I would assume he's already a fan favorite. I haven't seen, you know, signs or posters in the crowd yet or anything like that, but I'm, I'm sure he's, uh, you know, already a name that fans are excited about. And he, he was really, especially in the first half, you know, as soon as he got the ball was just driving at, um, mm-hmm. I, think it, I think it was Sheldon and, or whoever was, you know, occupying that left back spot at at the time, he he kind of floated into the middle in the second half. But uh, in the, in the first half, he was definitely that. That's a little bit of a wrinkle because I think last year they had the midfielders would kind of shift in inwards a little bit more or take shots on the outside instead of taking guys one on one. I see. Um, but I yeah, I don't know if the wind had that much of a factor for Louisville. Only maybe to the extent that some of those crosses, you know, maybe didn't float the right way, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I'm, that makes sense. And that can go both ways because an awkward ball can be really dangerous in itself for the defense to judge. But, um, you know, in, in this case, it didn't happen. And I was curious, you know, I like that to hear that you guys are taking guys on one on one. And it's good to hear that it's normal for you guys to go out and, and cross from the wings because I wasn't sure if that was just. You were doing that because we were clogging up the middle, but it sounds like it's a normal thing for you guys. No, it's it's a little funny how, you know, sometimes you, you have a player who, you know, played a certain way, and then when they coach, they actually kind of coach the opposite way in a sense. Uh-huh. I mean, J- James O'Connor was like a, 
essentially like a Gattuso kind of midfielder in his playing day, you know, guy who got, got stuck in, you know, I mean, he could, he could pass and do other things too, but, uh, you know, from the clips I've seen on YouTube and I never got to see him live, but he was definitely not, you know, a Zidane or anything like that. He was not known for being a super creative attacking player. Uh, but he wants his teams to play that way. And, you know, ever, ever since I've been watching this team, I mean, this is the way they play. They, they are in your face. They, they pass the ball. Well, they, uh, you know, move it left to right. They're probing, looking for the weak points in the defense. And, uh, you know, I mean, last year they had a lot of, I don't, I don't want to say luck, but they had a lot of success with, um, Chandler Hoffman who went off to RSL too, Mm -hmm. or real, real monarchs, whatever they're called. And, uh, he scored 14 goals in the, their first 17 games. And a lot of times it was just like the first chance he got, he was able to just get the right, you know, finish on it and get, get a toe poke or, or, you know, a few of them were very nice finishes as well. And Cameron Lancaster, you know, really only had one good chance. I just think he was so gobbled up by Pleva and, and Cochran and, and uh, kind of similarly with Luke Spencer, who came in in the second half of, mm-hmm. up top, didn't really have an, enough opportunity. So, that that final pass was definitely missing for for Louisville, but uh, I th- I think you know moving forward Louisville shouldn't worry too much about you know wh- where that final pass is because I'm I'm sure it'll come around. I I think to be honest, it was just that you know this game is going to be totally different. You know when they yeah. meet in the middle of the season. A hundred percent agree with you because yeah, you guys maybe missing that final pass, maybe the final finish. Even you know we missed the final pass the final finish and probably the pass before it for the most part in the, <laughs> yeah. in the first half. So, um, but you know, we both, the, here's the, the thing in our favor is that we both have proven coaches. So it's really easy to see us, you know, a slow start as accept, acceptable, uh, for a while at least. And, um, you know, it's good for us to, you know, I think we escaped with the, with a draw and we're happy with the point. And so I think it's cool to have good coaches with good track records to, to see that probably we're going to peak much later in the year and, and still have a good year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, I was hoping to get a chance to talk to Precky after the game, but unfortunately I, I don't want to make anyone mad, but uh, nobody from St. Louis FC's communications department actually made the trip. And hmm. I spoke to the Louisville guy and, you know, he said he would try and obviously didn't really work. So I'm sure I'm sure he asked and Precky probably said he didn't really want to talk after the game. So I would bet on that uh, actually, but <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I was a little disappointed just cause you know, with my MLS background and U S soccer and everything, you know, he's like a legend and yeah. uh, I, I'd love to talk to him and just even if, if, after one game, you know, what does he think the level of USL is today compared to what it was I know. Yeah. three years ago when he left? Um, but yeah, I think it's great. I mean, Precky and James O'Connor, two coaches who, Obviously, Precky's a little older, but uh, O'Connor just finished his career in 2013, I think. He's probably 37, 38, something like that. So he's younger, but but still, you know, these are two guys who, in theory, can still, you know, be coaching, be a head coach in Major League Soccer someday. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it was a big deal that Louisville, uh, just before, like in the week leading up to the St. Louis game, signed all their, their coaching staff, their, their, you know, the head coach O'Connor, their assistant coach, Daniel bird and goalkeeper go coach, uh, Tamani Sutu all to contract extensions through 20, the 2020 season. So really through 2021, um, but that's when the team hopes to have a, a soccer specific stadium in Louisville for them to play at instead of at a a baseball field, which, you know, they all agree is not ideal. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but it's also a big deal because, you know, I'm, I don't know anything for certain, but I would not be surprised if 
say Adrian Heath, who used to coach O'Connor, had asked O'Connor, "Do you have any interest in you know being an assistant coach with me at Minnesota this past year?" Sure. I'm just you know I'm just guessing, conjecture, all that, but you know I'm I'm sure that people are are watching to see who the good teams in USL are, and not only pick the players from there, you know, up to MLS or or you know abroad, but also coaches. Yeah, and USL, it's not only going to be improving players in the United States, even though they're from all different countries, it's going to improve players in the U.S., um, but it's improving our coaches, too. Um, look at, I guess, you know, it was announced last night that Mike Pecky from uh, our, uh, sorry, Real Monarchs is moving up to RSL. Um, Monarchs look really good this year, and, and that's probably uh, no small fault of his. So, um, yeah, I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of this coming up. And I'm really curious, too, to see, you know, it's interesting to have you guys have guys nailed down uh, through 2020 and 2021. I have no idea how long Precky's going to be here. Um, you know, this this MLS vote on Tuesday, maybe that has an effect on it. That's what I'm really curious about. But um, but maybe not even that. Maybe this is just a one one or two year stop for him so he can move on because, man, he could go pretty high as far as his caliber and, and, and rumors have been in the past. Absolutely. Uh, I'm curious, though. I mean, USL right now seems like a pretty good model in that, you know, you can if you do have your own stadium and your own place to play and sponsorships and stuff, you know, you you don't have to pay the players and coaches that much, you know, compared to Mm -hmm. an NBA, NFL, anything like that. But you can still get TV deals. You can still get good sponsorship. I'm just curious if if the MLS deal doesn't work and St. Louis is in USL for the foreseeable future. I mean, do you see the uh, ownership group staying there or do you think that yeah it, it is still it, it, it's it's a loss for them and, and they get out no we are not you know we're not san antonio uh seems like phoenix right. has even kind of doubled down on mls too um no i mean they've said already like if if this doesn't work we're not going after mls anymore and we're going to focus on usl and i again that's we were talking before the show about our owner jim cavanaugh who's part of that MLS ownership group. Um, I mean, he just gives them so much, um, you know, I can't think of the word, but he, he gives them, he makes me trust them because he's such a great guy who just really wants good soccer in St. Louis. And if it's USL, he's going to make it as, as good as he can. You know, no small part of that is bringing in Precky and, and bringing in all the players we brought in this year to fix the one last piece, which is a good on field product. Cause everything else is really great. And, and they're they're happy to move along and stick with that. Well, it's good to hear. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely interesting. Right now, the a lot of it really hinges on, for Louisville, really hinges on whether the team can get a soccer-specific stadium. And they're in a bit of a holding pattern from what I've heard recently, so... It depends, you know. I mean, if they if they can't get that stadium, you know, whether through public or private means or or anything, you know, I, I as a fan, uh, or I I think the fans might be a little worried, uh, you know, if they need to bring new owners in or whatnot, because it's just not right now. I mean, the owners and, and I give them credit for everything they've done so far, but the owners are losing a lot of money because they don't own their own stadium, so they can't. <clears throat> they have to pay, you know, to use that stadium. They can't generate as much revenue. Mm. Yeah, no, it's so, it's, so it's awful. A, a, yeah, so it's it's a tough situation in Louisville, and uh, I know the owners want their own stadium. Obviously, it's tough to you know spend public money on on a stadium that's only used you know sixteen, seventeen times per year out of three hundred sixty five days. But uh, 
but it'll be interesting to see what what happens you know down the line in the next two or three years and and if that happens and, and also you know how louisville's uh mls you know bid eventual mls bid goes and and if they actually are serious about you know potentially making that move yeah without a doubt so i guess I don't know. I always assumed Louisville was was happy with USL and that, you know, if they could get a soccer specific stadium, they'd be around for years and years and years to come. Um, Do you think it's possible, I guess, even with the current ownership or do you think someone else needs to come in? Um, I think they have said the ownership group has said if if they want to do MLS, you know, they will have to bring in other people because the current ownership group, you know, they have some money, but uh you know, I don't. I don't necessarily think they have two hundred million dollars worth of money just for the you know expansion fee alone, or you know, plus whatever it would cost to actually build the stadium and infrastructure yeah. and things like that. So I I would anticipate others coming in. There are you know some Fortune five hundred companies, Humana, which is a big healthcare uh, company, is based in Louisville, or maybe they're not based in Louisville, but they have a, you know big offices there. There's a lot of a lot, healthcare is very big in the city. There's a lot of big hospitals mm-hmm. and ho- hospital groups. Um, so I could see uh, th- there's definitely folks in town who could get involved and have the financial backing to to do so. Yeah. Well, I do, I really you can, Louisville is such a great team with already just three years of about to have three years of really good history uh, of good play and and um, I really hope you guys get a soccer stadium because. You know, I didn't realize how spoiled we were in St. Louis till, you know, not to be rude, but it, man, I went in that stadium and I, I was wishing I was I was in a soccer specific stadium. Uh, makes it a little difficult to watch that game out in left field, honestly. <laughs> it's true. No, I mean, out in the press box, too. I don't know if you saw where the press box was. Yeah. But, you know, we're essentially in the bottom right corner of the yeah. field. So anything that happens on the far side of the field is difficult to see. And uh it was, it was funny. There's an, a new set of announcers for this year for, for radio. For we're very City good. And, uh, oh, sorry. The TV ones were good too. But TV ones were good. Yeah, they're, they're new as well. But they actually have a better view than the radio guys who are sitting next to me. Okay. And, the, you know, they were they were constantly reminding the listener, by the way, just to let you know, <laughs> you know, we're, we're on the very, you know, far corner of the field. So we can't see, you know, if we get something wrong, you know, please don't, <laughs> don't be too upset. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> Um, yeah, so hopefully that'll come around. You got the fans. You had a raucous crowd. Your, your support section was really great too. So yeah, hopefully that'll yeah, come they, in the near future. The, the Coopers are crazy. I think when they first came on the scene, you know, a lot of people were like, what is this? But I, I think, uh, you know, the fans have gotten used, used to them as, as you see in a lot of, you know, soccer towns. Look at, you look at Kansas city, which, you know, Ted, no, why? wasn't doing very well in Arrowhead. And as soon as they built their own stadium and, and got the, the cauldron or whatever it's called, uh, you know, where their supporters said it's, it's expected that they're going to be a force and, and uh, you know, they bring the atmosphere to the game and it's kind of similar for, for, for the Coopers. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping this year that they have a few new songs. Cause last year it seemed like they were singing, you know, the same five or six on repeat. Uh, but I'm, I'm sure they've thought about stuff during the off season. Cool. Yeah. Definitely. Well, you know what? We're going on a little long here. And the thing is, um, I know we'll be playing each other a few more times this year. So I'll be able to talk to you again if you're up for it. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime, man. Awesome. Well, we'll go for today and uh, I'll talk to you before the next game. Hopefully, Daniel. I'm really glad I got to talk to you today and and even the day of the game and uh, look forward to seeing you again, man. Absolutely. Thanks, Phil. Thanks.
All right. Daniel Carell from the uh, Courier Journal in Louisville. Uh, yeah, again, we could have gone on and on and on and we did get sidetracked. We didn't talk about the game all that much, uh, but we did get a few things in and I want to kind of expand on the game now, if that's all right with everybody. I don't hear any protests, so I'm going to go on. Um, okay, let's start with the first half. Okay, let's get this out of the way. And then after we talk about it, we don't really have to mention it again. And I don't honestly think we will, because I'm going to go ahead and say, I don't think that's going to keep happening. I think that's going to be just a one-time thing. And I'd like to talk about perhaps why. Um, and so let's just start first with maybe what we saw wrong and um, maybe give some ideas as to all the reasons that those things might have been happening. Um, I mainly just have one, but let's start with what's bad. Balls in the air. Okay, like I said earlier, I thought we were going to have a leg up on this game, keeping the ball on the ground so much like Precky likes it. Um, but goodness gracious, we kept sending the ball long and we kept crossing it in the air and sending it, sending it downfield, um, even just from, you know, inside halfway um, into the box and a lot of missed passes, a lot of, you know, low percentage passes, just not connecting as they often do not, um, by definition. But, um, you know, I just couldn't believe that kept happening. And, and when I was there, it wasn't as bad as I remembered. Um, like I said, my view wasn't the best. So, you know, my game day experience and what I left that stadium thinking, uh, was nowhere near what really happened after I watched it on YouTube. Um, but still, when I left the stadium, I was thinking that first half, just so many long balls, so much, you know, good defending. <laughs> I was just thinking how I thought it was more like a Dale Shilly team. Uh, now, it wasn't even close to being like a Dale Shilly team. You know, you, you watch the game on YouTube. Um, we're pressing like crazy. You know, you, you don't see midfielders like Stokov and and Mirkovic doing things the way they do uh, on many other teams than, than Preki teams. So, um, you know, that's always a joy to watch. And that was still there on game day and, and probably part of um, the reason that we were able to defend so well in the first half. Like I said, uh, 1v1 balls, um, we're, we were winning the percentage of, of 1v1 um, duels and we were winning the, uh, balls in the air defended, um, percentage as well. And so, um, you know, defensively in the first half, we were really, really doing well. And, and, you know, those guys do like to go around the outside, but you know, we were just, we were picking off every cross that went in or most of them rather. And we did get crazy lucky with some of those shots that did head toward goal Many of them crosses, many of them shots outside the box, but still several were just really close. I mean, inches to feet, you know, a couple feet from from being in goal and being uh, really difficult uh, saves for David Lagoric. Um, but yeah, speaking of that, um, AJ, uh, Plua, Goric, our fullbacks did really good work uh, 1v1. Uh, Jordan Howe had his one big mistake, and I do want to say that's the first big mistake I've seen him make. Totally, you know, out of all of the preseason games I've seen him play in training, that's the worst mistake I've seen him make. And so it is maybe something to keep an eye on, but I hope no one saw that and thought that, uh, you know, he needs to not be in there. Yes, they did sub him off. Maybe that was because of the mistake. 
uh, might have also been because he was being tested like crazy and he was running his butt off the whole game. Um, so maybe he needed uh, a break with his legs. Sharpie is one of our, our better subs that could go in at left back. And so uh, that worked out nicely having him on on hand and, and putting him in for how I thought. I don't think my 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 main point here is that if you looked at that one game and thought, oh, man, how is not a good left back uh, because of that mistake, I think you need to rethink it. And I hope um, it doesn't keep happening. Uh, so that everyone can see the quality of player we have in him, uh, unless I'm wrong, and that's totally possible too. But the guy started the game. Someone has to agree with me. Uh, that being probably Precky. Okay. Um, yeah. So you know, a lot of that long balls, shots, um, defending them away, doing a good job on that. I did say uh, to Jeremy that AJ looked the best he's looked all year, and that is a hundred percent true. I was I was a little worried with AJ because you know in the slew game he gave some balls away moving forward. Um, he was really tested like crazy um, against a couple teams, uh, especially the MLS teams, uh, and he had a little bit of trouble. And, and I think I thought I assumed that some of that was just him transferring from Shilly's, um style play, which he thrived in, and he looked amazing all season last year. Uh, to maybe it's a different, a different thought process, a different style of play for center backs, even, um, in Precky's system. I thought maybe that was a challenge. I don't know for sure. Um, but I know he went from being a little uneasy, uh, in preseason to being just an absolute pro, um, against Louisville. So really good to see that. And, um, I know I'm going to be able to talk to AJ in the near future. I talked to him off the microphone in preseason a lot. And so, I'm really excited to kind of catch up with him. I'd rather talk to him after that game than during preseason anyway. And now we get to kind of hear, hopefully, um, the difference and what was actually going on in all of that. So uh, look forward to that in the future. Um, So, yeah, I mean, first half looked really bad. And I wanted to maybe just suggest that um, a main reason for us not looking great in the first half and even the whole game uh, up to like the 60th minute or so. Um, we'll get to that later too, but, um, we had Valeski in there. Okay. And, um, Angulo is going to be our number one guy, a number one striker for a long time, if not the whole season. Um, and then we had Valeski in there who came on to our team maybe a week ago, week and a half ago, um, cannot have gotten, could not have gotten all that much training in, Maybe he's been with the team a little longer than a week and a half ago, but he hasn't been around that long. You need, you know, striker pairings need a long time to figure each other out. Uh, it takes a while for the entire team to figure out how a striker likes the ball and and how to anticipate their runs, anticipate where they're going to be in a certain time. And he's only been with us for a little while. I was surprised to see him out there. Um, I know Milan Petasevic missed the slew game. Um, because of a um, a quad injury, I believe, and um, he was out again for St. Louis. We expected him back for Louisville, rather, and uh, it just didn't happen. <clears throat> and so that's the guy that I think everyone expected to see out there, um, the guy that's been with the team every preseason game except that slew uh, slew game. He's been you know able to be played if he wasn't played, and. Um, he wasn't able to make it those that's, you know, 
all new team, all new players, at least the guy that's been around for three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, um, was the one you were going to anticipate playing and the one you're most used to doesn't make it and we throw in a guy that's only been there a little while. That's my biggest thing. I think that's that's the main problem with why we looked especially bad in the first half. Not just a little bad where, you know, second half we still didn't score, but first half was just especially bad. We didn't look like us. You know, maybe he was part of the long balls being launched down because, um, you know, just didn't know how to hit him otherwise. And so um, that's just like a super amateur idea on on perhaps what part of that was. And I think someone who's tactically smart would have more ideas. If you do have any of those ideas, please send them my way. STLSoccerReport at gmail.com. Uh, speaking of that next week, I do think I'm going to make a listener line, uh, like a Google listener line, um, where you can leave a message and give some kind of a hot take or a suggestion for the show. And I'll definitely play that on air. So look forward to that next week. If you're up for that sort of thing, you'll be able to dial a number, record it, delete it if you don't like it even and re-record. And, and so I think it'll be perfect for that. And we'll talk more about that later. Uh, but let's move on to the second half, uh, shortly, just quickly, um, you know, right around the 50 minute mark, I mentioned Gorick, uh, doing a really good job and saving us, man, in that 50th minute, I think he got three or four shots hit right at him, just like right in a row. And he saved every one of them. Um, at that point he went from being someone who I thought was going to be an honorable mention in the game to being obviously the player of the game. He, he saved, the game at that point. And, and actually many times before and after that, he saved the game, kept our clean sheet and really, really has already earned some of that salary. I'm sure we gave him, um, and all that effort that Jeremy made to, uh, steal him away to our team rather than another one. Um, and boy, at that moment, I was really happy that Davila did choose St. Louis because again, he, he might be, you know, certain percentage, who knows, above the normal one eleventh um, responsibility for that draw and for that one point. He gets a good deal more than his fair share there. Um, and so I wanted to make sure we talked about that. Um, I also noticed, you know, some of the commentary that happened during the game. The Louisville commentary is um, hand and foot way better than what we've experienced in the past at Louisville. Uh, the, the baseball guys talking about golf in the middle of the game. Um, so yeah, they, but the new guys mentioned that, you know, Guzman, Stoikov, Mirkovic, that maybe they weren't able to combine, um, well enough to piece together enough passes to get the ball out to the flanks for a cross, or even, you know, to push up through the middle, um, and maybe that was another reason that we weren't able to uh, to penetrate uh, on some offense and get the ball to one of our forwards, no matter how long they've been with us. Um, I think that's been a problem all year long. And hearing the announcer say that make me a little more confident in being able to say that here that, yeah, these guys, I don't think they um, they had an especially bad day in this case. And they're not able to kind of anticipate each other quite yet. They don't know each other well enough. And, um, I just don't think, I think that's part of where we're going to peak later in the season when we know each other inside and out. Um, I think that's going to come with time and I still do have faith that that's going to come. If anyone is, is, uh, disappointed in, in the, uh, the offense side of this game, 
Um, I think that's one of the things we can look forward to happening and getting better and hopefully seeing improve is, you know, combining multiple passes, two, three, four, maybe 10, 12 passes um, worked up into a goal would be really nice to see someday if possible. So we'll see if um, our USL St. Louis FC can can work their way up to that level of beautiful soccer in the beautiful game. So um, that's one thing to maybe look for and hope for in the future. Um, but we also, I noticed we rarely won a dangerous ball in the opponent's half. Um, in the, in the first half, that was definitely not happening. And in preseason, kind of the scrappy goals that we get have been coming from that, that upfield press as the other team is trying to move forward out of the backfield, um, out of the back. And, um, we've won balls, you know, in their third, final third, and we've won balls at, at the, the half line and we've taken them in for goals. And that's something that didn't happen really in the Louisville game. Didn't have too many good chances in that way. And so that's another reason that we didn't, you know, get a goal. We didn't quite get the ability to steal a goal off of all the hard work we put into pressing. So that was a little disappointing to see too, and something that maybe we can look forward to happening sooner than pairing together several passes for a goal is that I'm sure that's going to pay off uh, sooner than later, perhaps hopefully against Ottawa, I could see that happening at home where the guys are just going to be up for it. Um, But you know, right around the 60-minute mark, I believe, maybe 65th minute, uh, Mats Bierman came in for Valeski, and um, maybe that was another sign that that you know the, the pairing wasn't working or that Valeski wasn't quite in tune with the rest of the team because right around that point, I honestly think, you know, I think the guys are used to Bierman, and um, he does a really good job, honestly, of becoming available for balls being sent uh, from a little further back on the field because he comes back quite a long ways. He'll pass the the half line um, often in order to go back to get a, get a ball. And then Angulo's up top still running around. He gets more space. And I honestly think Angulo looks, at least early on, a little bit better when he's free to roam, you know, side to sideline to sideline um, with a lot more space being left up there without a defender, um, you know, without a second player, you know, containing him on one side of the field. Um, it, it was, it's been good to see Angulo be able to use that space to his advantage by sneaking around and up top. And so we really did. We were able to combine passes a little more. We looked a little bit more like the St. Louis FC I've seen in preseason, which was keeping the ball on the ground, keeping it on the ground out of the back. Uh, perhaps they got yelled at at halftime. Um, you know, the disappointment that everyone's been sharing about the first half. I guarantee you, uh, Preki felt that pretty, pretty harshly. And um, I imagine he had a few words to say at halftime about it. And uh, maybe those guys had that in their heads. And and that was part of keeping the ball on the ground. You, I saw a concerted effort in the center backs to kind of keep the ball on the ground as much as possible, even the fullbacks. Um, so um, hopefully we can keep that going. And, and maybe the, the first game jitters are out of the way. Uh, unfortunately, we saw it for about 45 minutes or so. Um, but maybe that was it. Maybe it was first game jitters too. Maybe it's none of this stuff. So we'll see. Hopefully we hit the ground running from minute one um, at home on Saturday, which is only two days away, people. I'm, I'm getting really excited. Um, the only last thing I wanted to mention is um, that Max Alvarez was a newcomer. 
Um, I never saw an announcement on this, so I'm sure I know he's signed. He's on the list of team uh, team of players rather on transfermarket.com. Um, but Max Alvarez, Alvarez, I was really curious who he was. He came on uh, pretty late in the game, around the 80th minute, I believe. I meant to write that down. But he's a forward that played for Sacramento Republic in uh, 2014. It looks like he played two or three seasons with them. He had 53 appearances and he had two goals, um, which I was a little disappointed to see that he was playing in this game with only two goals to his name and 53 appearances for Sacramento Republic. Um, Again, that's Precky's team, so maybe he thinks this is a guy that just needed a little bit of time to develop. Uh, And I also wondered, okay, I went to his Wikipedia page and only saw the goals. I thought, well, maybe this is like a number 10 forward, you know, a second forward that's good at assists. So I thought maybe he had a ton of assists. No, I mean, he has more assists than goals, I think, but... Um, maybe four or five assists with two goals and 53 appearances. Not the best track record there in USL. Um, but one thing I will say about him, he's got a really good left foot as far as um, scouting reports have said. Um, and he showed that in the corner that he that he put out there. It was pretty late in the game. Obviously, if he came in in the 80th minute, I think it was around the 87th minute. And I really thought we were going to steal one there because it was our only corner of the game. Alvarez, he sent in a perfect corner. It was the best corner I've seen from this team, and Guzman's put in some good ones as well in the past. But, man, Alvarez, he sent a corner a little bit to the far post. AJ got up way above the defender, headed it on goal, uh, but the goalkeeper made a pretty good save. I want to say um, AJ sent it cross goal to the upper right-ish corner, um, and uh, the goalkeeper got to it. But, you know, one chance on a corner... And we made a good go of it. So that's good to see. Maybe set pieces are going to be important for us. And uh, definitely look for AJ, who's 6'2", um, and Plua, who's got to be 6'3", or taller. Um, the ball always seems to be looking for them on set pieces. And rightly so. They're both very good in the air, as you saw, for sure, in this game on defense. Uh, so yeah, that's those are just some points, some things I saw in the game that I thought I'd talk about. And I'm going to shut up now because we have a great interview coming up now with um, the, uh, sorry, the Ours is the Fury podcast. His name's Ryan Shannon. Enjoy this really, really nice guy. Had some great things to say about Ottawa Fury. Good things to say about his players and interesting things about the Canadian Premier League. Enjoy. All right, I'm joined by Ryan Shannon. He is from the, it's called the Ours is the Fury podcast. One of my favorite named podcasts actually out there for USL. Ryan, thanks for joining me, man. How are you doing? Hey, doing really good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you were able to make it. Uh, it was uh, very easy to set this up with you. So thanks for making it so easy. Um, yeah, join the NASL. Um, I do this with most teams because it's a new team every year, practically anyway. Uh, but it's always good to talk to the guys that know the team best. And so you're the guy for uh, for the Fury. Uh, can you kind of give us some uh, maybe club history, some 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 ideas of, of what your club is about? Okay, uh, Ottawa Fury FC. It's it's been a club for well over ten years here in Ottawa. 
um, we started off in the PDL, which is uh, fourth division and considered fourth division in Canada as well. Mm -hmm. um, and we've always won the championships. We're always like the, the top club. And after that, we moved on to the NASL. And uh, the first year wasn't the most exciting year, but um, the, the team looked like a good team. We had uh, Mark Dos Santos was our manager. He's the current manager of the San Francisco Deltas. Mm -hmm. And he was also the manager that took the Montreal Impact while they were in the USL to uh, the CONCACAF uh, Champions League semifinals. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he's he has a good reputation here in Canada and probably expect him to be a part of the national team program in the future. So um, the second year we went to the finals against the New York Cosmos. And then after that happened, uh, the players' values went up, mm -hmm. like how much they're worth. So there was a mass exodus uh, that year. And we also got a new manager, uh, Paul Daglish, who used to uh, manage the Austin Aztecs in the USL. And uh, you've, you've probably seen his teams play before. Mm -hmm. And so the style of play changed a little bit. He came a little bit more over the top, uh, less about possession, and uh, more about scoring goals, more attacking. So we didn't have uh, good results last year in the NASL. Uh, we actually finished last place overall. Oh, I didn't which know was, that. Yeah, which was a huge, huge uh, change from going to the finals, having a 14-game on winning unbeaten streak, mm -hmm. actually an NASL record, and then the next season finishing last place overall. So it was a bit of a shock. It's a bit of a disappointment yeah. for, for the fans. Um, so now this season, being our fourth season, and we all know the chaos that happened with the NASL, um, so now we're part of the USL. Right. And yeah, so it's like a, we we called it a new beginning last week. So okay, I like that. Yeah, and so you know, I was actually curious to hear more about that, about the differences in the team. I've heard a little bit about you guys from when um, one of your buddies was on the Eastern Conference Confidential talking about the team. I forget who he is actually, um, but he, you know, he mentioned that we were curious if whether your team was going to be the same exact kind of team, how many players were going to be let go, whether the budget was going to go down for player uh, salaries and that sort of thing. It sounds like you are more or less really similar to last year with the exception of a few players. Can you tell me about that? Um, there's been, there's been major turnover this year. Uh, I'd say about 50% of the team or more. Okay. Yeah. Um, we have, uh, two new keepers. Uh, there's some sort of loan agreement deal. It, it's not an affiliation with the Montreal Impact. Mm -hmm. So so there's four players loaned right now. And I guess we get to pick the players that are loaned. And we we decide if they play or not. We're in full control. Nice. So it's a little bit different than like Rio Grande or a B team. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. And we, we're not sure who's paying for those salaries. Yeah. We, we've, been try, we've been trying to get that answer. And that's something we're hopefully going to get very soon. But yeah, um, I would say the salaries have gone down quite a bit. Okay. And and the caliber of players we're getting aren't, you know, we were getting national team players. Uh, we had the captain of the Canadian national team playing for us mm. before. And now he's moved on. He's become our assistant. So yeah. He's, he's, well, he's, and the, he's, 
Speaking of that, speaking of goalkeepers too, is um, Dale Legoric ended up on our squad this year after a yes. really great year in Colorado. So I was going to see, you know, I've gotten to talk to him and I've gotten to see him play quite a bit. So I'm seeing his quality is is extremely good. Uh, can you tell us anything about his time in Ottawa? Uh, he never he never really got the chance he should have got. Hmm. We all loved him, and, we, and I agree with you. He's a great keeper and. Uh, uh, distributions and I've, I've noticed has gotten a lot better with him too so hmm. um what happened here is we got we got roman pizer uh, about halfway through our first season i think and he's uh he was a french keeper he was playing in the portuguese second division mm-hmm. and we just fluked out we we're able to get him so he took over and he played like every minute so every keeper behind him is Yeah, that's that's really nice actually to hear that you're happy that he left. <laughs> I guess that well, that says something for, for his sake. Yeah, because yeah. we 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 saw his potential, but but we, he was never going to get the minutes here in the in the NASL. So mm-hmm. and you, I I hate to say it, but you're just you're pushing this stereotype that we have here in the states about Canadians being so friendly. I mean, that's one of the friendliest things I've ever heard of in, in the soccer world. To be honest with you. <laughs> Being happy your players going for his own benefit. That's great. I, I don't know if I could say that, but you know what? I can. I can actually. Oh, for sure. Especially if they're if, if they're moving up or they're getting more mm-hmm. opportunity. For sure. Yeah, actually I can I can relate this year. We lost all but three players and, and I'm following the guys that left here uh very closely. So actually no, that's not that's not that way at all. Um, okay, well, you mentioned that um, you know Otto was was part of PDL, which is you said in the fourth division of Canadian Canadian soccer. Uh, same, just as as the American league, it's fourth division here. Um, we're hearing a lot of rumors about the Canadian Premier League, and um, you're the first Canadian to come on the show this year, and so I really kind of want to ask you about that. Is that okay? What are your you thoughts on that? anything about the canadian premier league yeah um well the majority of us are pretty excited about about this league happening um actually tonight as we're recording there's there's like a town hall meeting in halifax nova scotia and it's all about the new stadium and the plans for the team so a few days ago some we call it the halifax papers as a reference to the panama papers (laughs) and and it leaked uh it leaked the six cities that are initially involved um, and the plans that they have in Halifax in detail. Oh, wow. So that was a very exciting day. Yeah, we're, we're very excited. Uh, it's going to be a bit weird uh, having MLS and CanPL in the same country. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know how that's going to work out in the future because I don't think those MLS teams are going anywhere anytime soon because those right. three teams are part of the top six in revenue for the MLS. So. We'll so, see what happens there. Yeah, no, that's um, that's interesting. Um, so does that mean can I? I should know this, but is the Canadian Premier League? Does that mean they're going to be Division One? Is that the plan? Yeah, they're going to be considered Division One. Initially, last year, uh, there it was called Division One A mm. was the official term, um, and they they don't have a lot higher salaries and and budgets than people think. People think it's going to be comparable to. USL salaries and it's actually going to be somewhere towards the higher NASL salaries like like what Minnesota and the New York Cosmos were. Okay. We and it's going to be a single entity league. It's also the unofficial word, but it's been confirmed to a number of people hmm. from people on the inside of it. So yeah, it's very exciting. Uh 
it's 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 about time we had our own league back in the 80s and that's actually how i personally got into soccer seeing that league on tv so okay that's well that's interesting so i guess they folded like many of their you know american cousin leagues that have folded over the years huh yeah, it was actually born when the NASL originally folded, I believe in 84, 85, and that's when the Canadian Soccer League was born mm. the first time. And same same story, spending too much money too fast, uh, not no real business plan. It was the Wild West back then. So. Sure. Yeah, so, I mean, what are your thoughts about your team, Ottawa Fury? The rumor is that you'll probably head that way in the near future. Um, is that something that you would you would enjoy? Uh, I think, the, yeah, there's it's a bit of a. I I personally would that's what I would support, mm-hmm. but there seems to be a split a little bit. Um, but that split was when we were in the NASL, so yeah. we're we're yet to see. People are on the fence right now until we have some home games, which we don't have until April twenty second. I think we'll have more of a clear idea what you know most mm-hmm. people think, but um. The other interesting thing is there's a rumor that the Ottawa Fury aren't the club going to the Canadian Premier League. That there's another another club that would be representing Ottawa in that league. Oh, so we might have a gotcha. we might have an Oklahoma City situation here. Yeah, interesting. Man, I would hate to see that. Like I can see, you know, it's actually surprising to hear that because, you know, I, I already heard that people are up in arms about Toronto having a Canadian Premier League. And to me, a place like Toronto could easily support, you know, a Canadian Premier League team and an MLS team. But um, I don't know. Is Ottawa the kind of town that could support that? No, I don't. I don't know if two professional clubs financially. No. Right. Um, yeah. Like we do have we do have two Division three teams right now and, and a USL team. Mm-hmm. So a Canadian Division two or Canadian Division three, I should say. Oh, OK. So, I didn't know that. Yeah, so we like most cities do have multiple teams, mm-hmm. like like in Europe, but but they're not financially like they're not making money. It's same as same as most like NPSL teams and things like that. Yeah, makes sense. That's all really good stuff. Um, well, let's talk about this season. Um, you guys haven't played an official game in, in the regular season yet, uh, which drove me crazy because I hope to kind of get a preview of you guys, but. I did get a preview in uh, preseason um, when we faced you guys in Florida. Were you able to watch that feed? Yeah, I was able to watch a couple games in the preseason. That was that was a great little showcase there. Um, it was. We didn't have most of our like our team wasn't fully there, but it looked similar to last year. Mm-hmm. Um, we just missed. We were missing some players, of course, but yeah, that, overall it. It looked like preseason soccer, really. Yeah. <laughs> well, same for us, for sure. It, that was, I think that was our first game playing you guys. So um, it was pretty rough, but a change for us was very noticeable since we have a new coach and pretty much a new team. Um, you said you guys looked pretty similar uh, to last year, but, um, you know, is there anything that we can take away from preseason as far as maybe what are those similarities? What, what type of soccer do you guys play typically? Yeah, there's there's been a lot of uh, a talk about like changing the formation, and it already has changed hmm. apparently. So I don't know if we'll see like a four three two one because we have the we have the big guys up front now, the Tucker Hume and yeah. and Cito's up there. So I think we're going to be having more of the target man style of soccer, and you're going to see more balls coming in from from the sides. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it'll definitely be a physical team. Uh, Daglish likes his high energy players, and and so that's good. Um, what I don't think you're gonna see is with a lot of technical uh, ability. Like I think there was an interview here uh, on our local sports radio, and Daglish was actually talking about Preki. Hmm. And how how well he knows Preki, and how well he knows Preki's style to clog up the middle, and he has a plan to deal with Preki. So we're kind of we're kind of excited to see what that plan is on Saturday. Yeah, well, you guys won that preseason game. I want to say two to one. In fact, I'm pretty sure of it. Um, but you mentioned big boys up top. You guys have big boys up top. I definitely noticed that in the preseason, and I definitely noticed how big your center backs are. Your team is giant, to be honest with you, and our team which, is not. Which, which is a big change from the past when okay. when we had the more possession style the first two years in the NESL. They're definitely uh, definitely a control team, and definitely a, a you know outrun them a fitness based mm-hmm. team. Uh, we do have we do still have those speedy guys, and we do have like players like Carl Howarth, who's been with us since the PDL days. He's our last original player, and they they can be deadly. But he's injured. So you won't you won't be seeing him Saturday, hmm. and also one of our best midfielders, uh, I call him Robbie Williams, but Ryan Williams, <laughs> he's he's a free kick specialist, and the guy can score from anywhere. He's deadly, and lucky for you guys, he won't be playing this weekend. Huh. But there is somebody you should watch out for, and we're actually very excited, uh, excited to see him play. So he's he's this new guy. His, uh, his last name's Sanon. He actually got the USL goal of the year last year for FC Montreal. Oh, yep. I saw that signing, but I didn't read up on it. So tell me more. Yeah, so his name is Jimmy Shamar Sanon. And he's uh, been with the Impact program for a while. He only got a few games in, I think four or five last year. But he was an Impact player in every, no pun intended there, but he was an Impact player <laughs> uh, in every game he played. So um, he's one of the ones I'm more excited about. And another player we're excited about who played last year but was injured quite a bit was uh, Bruna. And he's a Spanish Spanish player who's been playing in England most of his career. And we're very lucky to get him because he, his wife is actually from the city. Hmm. And I think that's one of the main reasons we're able to snag him here. But he, he's by far one of the more talented players that we had last year and probably the most talented that we have this year. Now, where do these two play, Sanon and uh, Bruna? Well, Sanon was um, Sanon was with the Impact Academy. He's actually uh, he played on the Canadian U, I believe it's U seventeen team. Mm-hmm. But later, he was a trade coat, and he went. And now he's on the Haitian U uh, twenty. Yeah, it all oh, breaks our heart. Yeah, that hurts. So it's it, yeah, it hurts a lot. Uh, Bruno, I can't remember his club teams. He was in the third division in England, and he was, he was when he was really young, like 18, 19, He was <clears throat> he's supposed to be like the next superstar. It's kind of like a Freddie Adu kind of situation, and it never really panned out. But there was a lot of hype, and you can see that when you when you see him play, just like when you see Freddie Adu play, you see that potential. Mm-hmm. But it's so frustrating that you know the full package isn't there. Yeah. So and same thing with Bruna, but Bruna, I think I would I would say he's probably one of the most under the radar guys. Like the USL should be promoting this guy, hmm. huge. So cool. Well, it'll be fun to watch those guys. I appreciate you uh, giving us a couple players to watch out for um, in the game coming up. Um, yeah, I think that's really about all I wanted to bring up. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we go? Uh, just wondering. I'm hearing all the exciting news about. Uh, you guys in your MLS bid. 
So I just oh, wanted yeah. to say say we're we're happy for you guys, and uh, it's always great to see like a soccer loving city get what what they deserve. So I hope that works out for you guys. Definitely, I appreciate that. I tell you what, the the hype is as high as I've seen it. It, it hit right at the right time, really peaked at the right time. So. We'll see what happens. We got to vote on Tuesday. It could go either way. Um, so big, big moment. You know, it's weird to think that on Tuesday we could know we could, you know, be full of delight and expectation of a new MLS team in, in a couple of years or we could be very disappointed. But I don't know. The cool thing about it is that our uh, our leadership in this USL team, they don't you know, they want MLS, but if, if it doesn't happen, they're they're actually happy to stick with this USL thing and, and see where it takes us. So either way, guys like me are still going to be happy, but but a lot of soccer fans might be disappointed if it's voted down. We'll just see what happens. Appreci- Sounds good. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that, though. Uh, and, and of course, I can't not talk about it. So sorry about that. But, um, you know, why don't you plug uh, everything you do? Um, I actually, I put your podcast on our list um on my playlist to listen to and just so many podcasts i listen to now in usl that have been popping up like crazy i didn't actually get to yours so um i intend to listen to it in the future i'm excited to hear what you guys talk about after this game actually especially uh so plug me plug your podcast and all the things that you do so we can maybe check it out after the game uh for sure yeah we're trying we're trying not to be so inside baseball on our podcast because it's very (laughs) very like you almost have to be from the city to get it, but we're trying. We're we're learning the league right now, so sure. yeah, we're, we're, we had to learn a whole new league with like thirty-one oh. teams. So yeah, yeah, I've heard uh, that already. Actually, with the um, you know, what is it? Unused subs just joined in the network yeah. I'm a part of, and it's the same from them. It was interesting to hear them say, "We don't know what we're up against this year. We have no idea." They had nothing to kind of bring to the table on that. So. Man, you guys are in a in a hard place. It's going to take a few games to kind of get a feel for the league, I think. Yeah, I've been watching like game every night almost. I was watching Louisville here tonight. Again, for the th- I've actually seen Louisville more than I've seen my own team this year, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, so the show is called Ours is the Fury. Um it's it's on iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play. You can find it all those places. Um it is a reference to Game of Thrones. Mhm. Yeah, but um, you can find us on Twitter. It's OIT Fury. And uh, we're also part of the Sports Podcasting Network, which is uh, does podcasts about all the Canadian teams and soccer, mm-hmm. everything, Formula One, everything. No hockey podcasts, believe it or not. You're kidding. Look at that. Nope, not, not one. Well, so, yeah. Shattering the stereotypes tonight, actually. So that's great. Um, and actually, I listen to a lot of the SPN shows about soccer. So um, that's really great. I'm, I may have actually listened to yours without even knowing it a year or two ago. <laughs> so Yeah, quite possible. Yeah. Cool. Well, Ryan, uh, it was a pleasure talking to you tonight, man. Thanks again for joining me. Okay, thanks, Phil, and good luck, but not tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Right back at you, buddy. <laughs> we'll talk okay, to you later. Okay, good night. Bye. Thank you for listening to the STL Soccer Report, brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, BGN.FM, and STLSoccerReport.com. If you have any questions you'd like read on air, please send them to STLSoccerReport at gmail.com. Thank you for geeking with me.